0: Hello and welcome to a special episode of the Inner Gamer Podcast. Today we have a guest interview with Adam Johns and Adam Davis behind Game to Grow, formerly known as Wheelhouse Workshop. Adam and Adam founded Game to Grow after seeing the amazing power of tabletop role-playing games to help teens, adolescents, and emerging adults become more creative, confident, and socially capable. We're really excited for what they're doing and hope you enjoy this conversation as well. Stay tuned.
1: Hello, everybody, and welcome. This is Devin Dury with The Inner Gamer, and we are here with my co-host, Brett, our Brett. editor-in-chief. Yes. Yeah, and we have a very uh, special guest here, a pair of special guests from Wheelhouse Workshops, Adam Davis and Adam, oh, God. My, Johns. No, <laughs> my my phone froze as I was scrolling through my notes. <laughs> oh, my God. Come on, man. You
2: got the important name, though. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Adam, okay. Adam Prime. Kind of okay.
1: Sorry, my phone froze. No, like right fine. in the middle of my notes. That's, it, that, that, <laughs> totally that's technical difficulties. So yeah, yeah, Wheelhouse Workshop
0: and now Game to Grow. Correct.
1: That, yeah. yeah. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. Awesome. So we have Game to Grow here, and uh, tell us a little bit about um, what you guys do. What's what's your kind of um, main main thing you do?
2: <laughs> Our stick. Yeah. What's so we, the stick? Uh, yeah. What's Wheelhouse Workshop? <laughs> we we founded Wheelhouse Workshop in 2013, but we've been um, using tabletop role playing games, specifically Dungeons and Dragons, uh, for the greater part of six years, um, and we've been using them in our therapeutic social skills groups to help teenagers. We we serve um, adolescents, teenagers, and emerging adults uh, in our social skills groups to help them make friends, become more confident and creative, socially capable. Um, and we've been doing that for. Six years? Six years. Yeah. Um, And what we're happy to announce now is that we're sort of taking everything we've learned in the years we've been doing uh, Wheelhouse Workshop as just the two of us and expanding. So we just launched Game to Grow which is a nonprofit organization that's planning on expanding the services to serve a larger breadth of clients um, with a broader range of of challenges in greater demographics with also a wider variety of games. Wheelhouse Workshop has used uh, tabletop role-playing games almost exclusively. We have um, branched off into a couple of other tabletop games, Um, but Game to Grow is also going to expand into video games, um, other kinds of games, and including uh, role-playing games like Dungeons & Dragons
1: that's that's awesome. is, that is so cool <laughs> like that seriously that is such an uplifting like uh, that's i love the role-playing industry and tabletop games and just to hear that it's being used as for such a positive a positive avenue is so uplifting and so refreshing I, I what i'm curious about is where did this idea even come from
3: um interestingly that uh so i Adam and I kind of met, we, we met in grad school um, where I was pursuing a degree in couple and family therapy and Adam was pursuing a degree in um, in education uh, with an emphasis in drama therapy. And we met in a class where I sort of professed to being a geek as sort of a, a cultural identification within the class and Adam approached me afterwards and he was running a social skills group that was using Dungeons and Dragons but in a less intentional way. So it was sort of a drop-in drop in skills group using Dungeons and Dragons as well as an improv group back to back and he asked if i wanted to come and be a professional dungeon master and get paid to play Dungeons and Dragons so i said yeah of course i want to do
1: that <laughs> Devin's face is probably like yeah, right. <laughs> I want to be I want to be paid to be a DM? <laughs> yeah. Man.
2: Um so that was that was like Adam said we were at uh, in grad school at Antioch University in Seattle um and so we were working for this other organization kind of um really working in this in the social skills group, that like Adam said, it wasn't all that intentionally facilitated. When we took it over, it was, it was not all that different from a, a gaming group you'd see in a board game store or something where the kids got an opportunity to be together and play games and have a good time, which was great if what they needed to do was practice their social skills because – Dungeons and Dragons and role-playing games are fantastic opportunities to practice and naturally build skills. So as Adam and I took it over and we became friends and we started doing the Seattle thing and hanging out in coffee shops and talking about stuff, um, we started to realize how much more we could do with it if we were really intentionally structuring the game as the game master to focus on those specific skills we wanted the players to learn.
3: So Adam Davis was was taking all these classes in drama therapy, and I was taking all these classes in uh, couple and family therapy, and we we're getting all this great theory. And then we started to realize we should we should apply some of this stuff. And as he was applying the same kind of techniques and ideas to the drama, to the improv classes for social skill building that we were doing, we started to realize you know D and D is basically sit down improv. Uh, you're making up stuff. You're talking silly voices. You're you're getting a chance to play a character. And so we started taking all the same ideas and started applying them to the D and D groups themselves. Um, and then got to see a tremendous level of success with that.
2: And we made, we we were kind of just discovering things. We were uh, gamers. I started playing Dungeons and Dragons I think in fourth grade when I was eight or wow. nine maybe. And uh, Adam John similarly. So I. I took breaks in middle school and high school at various times I didn't play in college all that much um, but I remembered what it was like to be uh, a gamer as a kid and I and I remembered the sort of uh, journey that i went on um and if I, I encourage you to do this to think back on the characters that you've played in your D games and think about what you got out of being that character because we have this theory that you play a character for a reason because the character is you even if the character is totally different than you there's a reason why you chose it and when you're playing that character your character is you so when i was a kid um i was you know overweight and i was bullied a lot Um, for it. And I was kind of outcast in in late elementary and middle school. And so the characters I played in all of my games were always like ninjas (laughs) who were we were, like, really dexterous, and I wasn't. They were really fast yeah. and agile, and I wasn't. And they could also disappear whenever they wanted to. So I was, of course, as a, a big person who was bullied, always felt like everybody was noticing me all the time and how awful and painful that was when people would, like – I would walk around and they would Dr- – Jurassic Park had just come out, so they would, like, shake their glass of water because I was, like, a Tyrannosaurus Rex. <laughs> and uh you know, that was really painful for me, and so I as I was playing these games, I was a, a hero who was an awesome person that everybody respected, which was the opposite of what I was like in my daily life. Yeah. And I also was agile, and I was also, of course, play. I would play rogues who would have a little bit of charisma, and they would be charming, and it gave me an opportunity to see myself as something more than what I was allowed to see myself as it. It's cool. So I I, I thought long and hard about that process and what I saw in the characters, uh, in the players who were playing in our groups, is the exact same thing. We were having socially isolated kids play bards and rogues or um, heroes. They saw themselves as heroes and we wanted to facilitate that really intentionally for these players, the opportunity to really see themselves as a better version of themselves so that they could translate some of that good stuff from their character back into their real lives. Wow.
1: That's I mean that's a hell of a backstory in how you <laughs> get into something like this. And I guess that that's really it was what what moment do you think that the two of you probably shared together that you realize that man, that that's what this is what we want to do. That's how we can use these games for that.
3: Oh man, the moment that we that we realize that. Um I think that it it actually probably came it actually probably came with a Seamus story. Do you want to tell? <laughs> no, the Seamus story. The so, story. <laughs> so we yeah. were we were doing all of this intentional um this intentional facilitation. We were we were um we had made some decisions about uh about the ideas of how our players should come into the groups, but we were fighting a lot of difficult things of organization within that within that organization. So we didn't know how many players we were going to have at the at the start of every game and um so we came into the quarter and we would have to plan for any number of players anywhere between three and ten uh and have to come up with a plan for how these players were going to get together and uh, start at a table together and then split into two separate tables um in this one instance uh we we planned for a, a classic you know, tavern meetup, and of course there are no, there's no alcohol in our games. Uh, so instead, everybody drinks soup soup out of mugs. Um, okay. So that there's this classic idea of the, the soup maven. They go into a tavern and they, they get served different kinds of soup in their in their mugs. And uh, the players came in. We it turned out we had ten players, and we all met and sat in a floor because we didn't actually have enough seating for ten players. And what we did is we had everybody come into this um, into this tavern, and their pl- their characters had to put their weapons into a magically sealed chest um, to you know keep weapons out of the tavern. You're not walking around the tavern with weapons. And everybody came in, and we went around the t- the table, and they got to describe their characters a little bit, and everybody got to order a type of soup from Seamus, the soup maven. And Seamus is, is an incredibly friendly guy who he comes comes up and he he um, has a spectacular voice. Adam and I do slightly different voices for Seamus. But he comes up and he says, hey, what, what would you like? What can I get for you? Um, oh, you want some nothing soup? That's one of my favorite soups. It's very light. It's very airy. And Seamus <laughs> has every kind of soup. He, he loves serving soup for people. And so everybody comes in, they get a chance to, to ask for soup. And then all of a sudden skeletons burst from the floor and from the walls and start attacking everybody, all the patrons in this in this tavern. And so, once again, we went around the, the group and we asked everybody, what do you do to respond to these skeletons? And some of them are, are picking up chairs or tables and they're attacking the the skeletons. They're um, protecting patrons, various things like that. And we got around to one player. And this player had um, holds out his two arms in front of him and he looks down at sort of his uh, his forearms, and he says, I summon my weapons to myself. And I said, it doesn't work. Your weapons are sealed in a magical chest. And then he, um, see, he had designed his, his character with runic tattoos on the inside of his arms so that he could summon his weapons to himself. Okay. And he immediately started saying, well if I can't summon my weapons to myself, then my character is pointless. And he started to get really angry. And he started to clench his fists up, and he started to, to uh, raise his voice and really start to shout, and his face was getting red. And he started to say, if I, if I can't do this, my character is pointless. I, if my character can't do any of this, I designed the whole thing around this, this idea for this character. And I'll never forget, Adam turned to him, and he said, yeah, your character is really mad. Um, what does he do next? And the player unclenched his fists and he the color kind of drained drained out of his face and he he eased up and and he turned and he said i ripped the arms off the skeleton in front of me and i beat him to death with his own arms and that moment that moment was this amazing opportunity where a player who normally couldn't handle frustration couldn't handle um that flexibility that need to be flexible in that moment and he took all of his frustration and all of his challenge and he put it directly onto his character and it wasn't him being angry. It wasn't him being frustrated. It was his character feeling all that frustration It gave him a chance to get distance from it and then realize that he still had lots of options. He still had lots of ways he could go about it.
1: Interesting, man, (laughs) that's brilliant.
2: (laughs) We, we realized we could, we could do that with the challenges. So, uh, um, a player who has in their own life challenges keeping still, challenges with focus, challenges with frustration tolerance. We could put that on the character and we could say your character has is really frustrated right now. What advice would you give him? And let lets them with all of their wisdom but not personifying the character could actually give that advice to their character. Well, my character is really frustrated. Well, I guess he should take some deep breaths or whatever it might be to help the character calm down so they can now – give advice and be the wise person and we can also do the exact same thing in reverse and so there were times where we saw some successes that the character did like the character rallied an army to support uh, uh, a king who uh, against some some rallying um opposing forces and so this young person has to rally the troops and they might say something like um i i'd say uh you you got this guys uh lift up your swords And then we as the game masters can be the people who see them and say, yes, we will stand by your side. (laughs) And that young person gets to see themselves as the person who is um, charismatic and compelling and a a strong leader.
1: Man, you're really throwing me for a loop right now with all this. I'm (laughs) I'm loving every bit of this. So, you know, we've talked a little bit about, you know, these sort of challenges and interactions that these characters have had what's what's the logistics like how how is it that people come and see wheelhouse workshop and see that they can use that as a tool for therapy or a way to help help build their social skills how does it how does all that work
3: most of the time we get uh, we get approached by parents um our our largest audience especially being able to come into and and who are, are really looking for services are tend to be, um, parents looking for services for their kids. And they, they often are noticing part of the reason why our groups serve teenagers is because we get a lot of parents who are noticing that their, their child is starting to struggle with being able to make friends with being able to have ongoing conversations with, um, with adults or peers, um, or being maybe it developmentally inappropriate, meaning, um, they might you know, make bathroom jokes when they are a little too old to be making bathroom jokes, that yeah. kind of thing. Hmm. And, and looking at a lot of those challenges, the, the parents often are contacting us, not actually because they're looking for role-playing games groups, but because their, their child has already been through a lot of therapy and has already, um, you know, been to other groups and they're coming to our groups because they know that this is an opportunity to do something that's fun and engaging. And that their their child is going to really enjoy coming back to week after week and uh, also gives an opportunity to practice those skills and to learn those those social skills. And so we get contacted by a lot of planners who actually don't know anything about Dungeons & Dragons. <laughs> uh, so Adam and I do a lot of explaining what yeah. Dungeons & Dragons is and how it looks um, to parents whose only knowledge of it was – um, you know, messages from the 80s about... about uh, <laughs> that
1: demon game that's going <laughs> the, to tell them kids <laughs> to worship Satan?
3: <laughs> yeah, Tom Hanks was in that. Oh my <laughs> God, you! Yeah.
1: Are, I love that movie. I don't care what anyone says. <laughs> yeah. So, I get uh, when parents do ask you that, because I struggle with this question as well when people have asked me. I mean, these, these guys that I've played with here on the podcast, they are brand new to D&D. And I always struggle when people ask, what the hell is d d Like, how do you describe it? to people.
2: Um, there's a, a write-up on the Wheelhouse Workshop website about this. I, I normally try to break it down into tabletop role-playing games, and I, I break it down word by word. So um, it's a game, so you're playing with other people. Um, in a tabletop game, you are in person. You uh, are not using any screens, so I s- sort of set the stage for the parents, or whoever's asking, that we are sitting around a table in person playing a collaborative game. So this is a game where we are on the same team and we're playing characters in a fantasy realm. Um, So your your son or daughter might uh, choose what kind of character they want to be. And it's sort of like Lord of the Rings. And so they have a piece of paper with all the information about this character on them. And then I, as the game master, I'm like the referee, sort of, and I'm sort of the lead storyteller. And I describe the situations that the characters are in. And it might be something as simple as, you know, fighting some bad guys, or it might be something more complex, like overthrowing an evil king. And the players have to work together to strategize how to do that.
3: We also, it's always a good idea whenever you're trying to introduce (laughs) the game to somebody who hasn't played before to give little examples. So I'll often give an example of like, if I were the dungeon master and you were players at my table, (sighs) I might say something like, you walk into a room, you can see that there is a dust on the walls, all made of stone. And you can see across the other side of the room is a wooden door. It appears to be locked, but in addition to that, it also has a pair of bars or portcullis down in front of it. And in the very center of the room, you see a very large lever. And now at this point, you will get the opportunity to, as your players, as your characters, you can decide what you want to do in that room. So, do you want to pull the lever? Do you want to inspect the door? Do you want to look at the walls? Maybe you want to figure out what you know about stonework. All of those are options available to you as a player. So you get to decide how you what you want your character to do in this world.
1: That's brilliant. Yeah, that's very yeah. That's very very well. That's it's a good way to describe it to people because that's always been a unique challenge for me. Is people ask what is D and D, and I'm like, well, we're basically we're telling a story together in a circle with (laughs) rules and dice. Which isn't a
3: bad description. It's
2: accurate. It it harkens back to a simpler time of sitting around a campfire and telling stories. Right.
0: And I I bet it helps a lot, too, to having the game aspect as part of it, you know, because especially if you're working with kids, you know, games are a big part of kids' lives these days. And when you have that, like, for a parent, they look at it as this is something that helps, helps my child with, you know, whatever social anxiety that they may have or whatever. But when you sell it to the kid, you put game in there. Like it's probably an instant sell for them to, yes, I want to be a part of this because this sounds way better than just going to talk to some person about, you know, whatever's going on. But instead it's a nice social thing. And it's good for the parents because most of the time they're like, I mean, I I know there's a stigma with people that are gamers. They are in this dark room by themselves, but that's not always true. And and the nerd case, in
1: the basement of his mother and, exactly. and anti-social. Right. Yeah. yeah.
0: So I think exposing more people to the fact that it doesn't have to be like that. And it's not, that's just like the stereotype that's been developed. There are right. really great avenues to develop and grow in gaming. And like we were, we've been talking like we have, we're big fans of Nintendo switch and that has brought all of our friends together so much because we can now go back to not playing between screens. We're now getting back together with our friends in the same room mm-hmm. playing together like couch cooperative games. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. That's
2: that's a really big part of, of one of the the sort of not even secondary takeaways, but it's it's we're facilitating the game very intentionally like we already described for all that good therapeutic benefit, but there's also a lot of additional benefit just from being in a place with other people that you find rewarding. Yeah. Because a lot of the people that come to our groups don't have a lot of experience with rewarding social experiences. So when they they are identified in school or in their community as lacking social skills or having, you know, lagging social skills, they'll get put in a group where someone tries to teach them how to have social skills. But if they don't care then they are, they're not going to practice those skills or know why they should practice those skills because the the rewards of having social skills are kind of intangible to them to begin with. Well, it might improve your friendships. Well, I don't have any friends now, so I don't know what the benefits of friends are. Yeah. Um, so one of the nice things about being a collaborative game like Dungeons & Dragons is that they'll come, they might not have any desire to actually make any friends, but they're playing the game, and in order to be good at the game, it helps to be good at having social skills. You have to collaborate, you have to listen, you have to take turns. All of those things improve your ability to be successful at the game in order to achieve gold and XP and level up and accomplish plot storyline goals. All those things really helps if you are exhibiting all of the pro-social behaviors that we're wanting to give them anyway. So it's it's a nice reminder for the parents and the young people that
3: having social skills is actually kind of awesome. It's really fun. And I think actually your point about about like the Nintendo Switches is, is perfect too, because the a lot of the idea here is is that by having that fun experience, you're going to come back week after week, and and you're going to want to work on those skills. You're going to want to get better at it, right. and it's games games of all kind that kind of provide a lot of that opportunity. That's actually one of the big philosophies behind Game to Grow, in fact, which is that games can provide you all of these amazing opportunities to grow and improve and and to be better they have inherently in them these nuggets of of tremendous power for for change and improvement and we just want to figure out how can we kind of jump on that how can we use that and not take away from that from that wonderful gaming experience but but add to it give it some some of that intentionality
0: yeah that's awesome <laughs> i'm
1: um, loving every second of this
0: so uh, you know, I, I know you guys said that you're looking to expand further. You're going beyond D and D and things like that. Do you work with other like tabletop role playing games? And um, what about just games in general, like video games, for example? Are you looking to you're looking to eventually expand into things such as that? And if so, how are you going to approach that?
2: Yeah. So um, what we've done in the past is mostly Dungeons and Dragons. We started in three point five. We transitioned into 5th edition once we got a chance to play that game and know it and love it. Um, we've also played uh, No Thank You Evil by Monty Cook Games for a, a younger kids group that we had, um, which was great um, for the younger kids. It's a really fun, e- very easy game to learn very quickly, yeah, so it was fantastic. I'm, I'm
1: familiar with No Thank You. Like That's yeah. that's adorable. I love yeah, that. It's,
2: <laughs> it's, it's fantastic. We had a team of, of a spy, an astronaut, and a pirate all working together to fight against um, oh, what was the bad guy's the name? Fidem. Oh, yeah. No, no, Fidem Force was the good, guys. Was the good we, guys. Adam and I had created a whole world with um, food puns. So the bad guys was uh, um, evil, the evil king, Vichyssois. We're continuing the, the soup um, <laughs> theme. evil king, Vichyssois, and he had a big handlebar mustache. And there was uh, the salad mander. and the sandwich (laughs) um so it was it was great the kids eventually told us like we're done with the food puns.
1: oh thank god oh they learned they learned quickly Um, good puns are bad
2: um we played no thank you evil which is fantastic um a little bit of fate accelerated when we were trying to do some genre shifting um we've played microscope which is an awesome collaborative storytelling game um we've also just started in our summer groups right now we are playing um some other kinds of uh, tabletop games like Hanabi, which is a fantastic uh, card game. It's no, co- co- um,
3: not role playing games, yeah. but but like yeah. more like tabletop board and card
2: games. Right. Um, so those kinds of games, Hanabi, um, Shadow Hunters, Are You the Trader? Games that are really fun. So we're not necessarily playing educational games or games that focus on specific skills like eye contact, but they right. all benefit. Um, it's once again, we're not. We're not just playing the right games; we're asking them to play better. Um, so we are um, doing all that right now. I have actually been working with the Atlantic Street Center um, in South Seattle, and what's they're called the Core Gaming Program, started by a colleague of ours na- named Wilder Nuttingheath. And we're using video games in that program. So that's aside from from what Game to Grow has been doing, but we're going to be doing similar work. In that, we're using um, groups training skills, skills, training groups, um, for dialectical behavioral therapy. So we're, um, having kids come into the group and learn about, uh, their own, um, strengths and challenges relating to frustration tolerance. And then we'll teach them some skills for deep breathing and self encouragement. And then we'll play a game like, uh, shovel night, which is a very frustrating yeah.
3: game and
1: <laughs> oh, man.
2: give them the skills to acknowledge their own frustration, do the things they need to do to calm down and then notice how. When they play that game using the skills of calming down, they can actually get farther and succeed more in that game. So, there's, there's an example of the kind of thing that, that we're expanding on and building on for game to grow.
1: <laughs> That's, That's awesome. fantastic. Yeah, uh, how many people have you been interacting with, or how many people have utilized you guys so far? Gosh, uh,
2: <laughs> I'm gonna say fifty.
3: Yeah. Wow, we have a lot of we a lot of our clients come back. Um, We use a quarter system for our groups, so they're about 10 weeks long for each quarter um matches up really well with the school system that way here yeah. um and a lot of our players come back quarter after quarter so um for some of our players we uh, we've known them for four and five years uh six years uh, we have one player who's still in one of our groups who we've known for six years now wow um, that's great and so we've gotten, gotten a chance to see that player grow and change and and uh, come up you know different various challenges based on their development and based on the progress that they've made within the groups um so we see some of our clients for for long long periods of time but I think in total now we've, we've probably had 50 maybe a little more than that as, as as far as clients for the groups so have you
0: seen um like you know you have all these different groups interacting together have you seen a lot of your clients and stuff eventually you know make make friends as like lifelong friends or I mean obviously not lifelong but just friends in general from being a part of this group that they've carried on to outside of just let's get together at this group but Building friendships yeah. within it. Okay, that's, that's
2: good. That's kind of the gold standard. Yeah. a yeah. uh-huh. social so, skills
0: group.
3: Yeah,
2: we encourage them, especially because we take a couple of weeks break between quarters. And so we encourage them, we even facilitate some groups exchanging contact information. And it gotcha. might be something like invite someone to a birthday party. We'll oftentimes get an excuse like that for you to reach out to your group members Okay. if you're having a birthday. Um, also, there's a huge overlap between our group uh, participants and people who like to play Minecraft. Oh, so yeah. <laughs> we oftentimes will encourage them to exchange contact information so that they can do something as simple as play Minecraft where they don't – even even that. There's a low barrier to entry. They don't have to make too many plans or, or right. arrange parent parent pickup, drop off, anything like that. They can just reach out and, and build something together. So we'll encourage that kind of thing. Um, what we have seen um, – Players who started off very socially isolated, um, even bitterest of enemies, um, eventually <laughs> join and exchange contact information and, and hang out outside of group. Yeah, um,
3: that's cool. In, in one case, actually, in, in uh, just as a sort of measure for uh, tremendous success that we sometimes get to see, is uh, we had a, a player in our group who came uh, to the group um, somewhat unintentionally, um, who had been told by a previous therapist that they would not. Ever be able to integrate? They would need years and years of therapy before they could ever integrate into a social social group. Wow! Um, and after coming to our group for uh, a year, give or take a year, um, they they have friends outside of the group. They have they have created their own uh, friend friend system and have become tremendously more socially capable within the group as well. Um, in interacting with other people and solving issues that come up with with NPCs um, and have just grown tremendously within that that one year time period um and obviously we can't take complete credit for that because they were also in counseling during that time and right. and had, had other had other growth opportunities but but it, uh it definitely has been a, a really nice reminder to see the progress that they've made
0: yeah man I mean, i'm sure it's certainly contributed because um you know that's it's they say that the younger you are the more malleable you are in every sense of the word, pretty much, so games are something that you start out with very, very early, and then some people like us end up playing it on into our adult adult life and stuff. But if you can you know grip them early on, I mean you can definitely mold them to you could do some good with it do do some really good stuff, yeah.
3: Yeah, that's and cool. I think being able to to sort of see the things and be reflective on the 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 parts that I really like about this, or the parts that really um, help me feel successful, is is a value that's that I certainly hope that our players will take with them to many, many other parts of their life. and But it's is an opportunity to use those same skills in all areas and all aspects of their life, um, but that they get to hold on to within games and get to use to continue to cherish games in a, in a similar way. Yeah,
0: that's awesome.
1: Man, yeah. So would that, I mean, with this individual, um, I just got to know, is that like your best success story or do you have like one of those stories out there that you think is, man, that is truly what has made all of this worth it. That is, this is the reason why we do what we do.
2: Oh man, there's so many good stories. Um, there was one recent um, that um, has been on my mind. Um, I had the players a complicated backstory. We, we homebrew all of our worlds. Um, and so every every one of our five weekly groups has its own world with its own oftentimes pantheon and its own whole col- collaboratively created situation. Um, so This particular group, uh, the sort of backstory, was that um, before the Age of Tools was the Age of Dragons. And before the Age of Dragons was the Age of Green, where plants sort of took over the whole world. And uh, the way that I created the backstory is that the dragons created Draco liches to kill the plants so that they could take over. And so now the Age of Green is coming back, and our group of heroes has to go find a Draco lich. Um, because that's how the dragons defeated the plants in the first place. So they find the last remaining dracolich, and they have you know they battle skeletons to get down into his cave underneath the desert, and they get down there. And I I had created the dracolich to be kind of a bad guy who needed to provide them with a moral conundrum because he was really an evil <laughs> undead dragon um, who wanted the players to go corrupt some other dragon eggs to make more Dracoliches so he wouldn't be the only Dracolich left. And I figured it would be a nice opportunity for them to do some values, clarification, and, and dialogue about what they care about and what their characters care about. And in this situation, um, one of the players um, really surprised me because the, what the Dracolich said was, I am the last of my kind. I have no kin. I have no friends. And I was you know, kind of setting him up to be – bitter and, and, and angry and the player paused for a moment and said you know what you're, you're a lot like me I, I also feel very alone sometimes and I also have no friends and that changed everything about the way that interaction happened that Draco Lich was no longer um, bitter he was sad and he was um, totally talked to this player and empathized with this char- with this character and this player on a really human level, I'm like tearing up right now just talking about it. Um, and uh, it was one of those moments where just like the power of the, the game, the, the game to surprise us both. Because at the end of the game, I asked the player what um, – I always I always ask what is something that stood out, a highlight or a spotlight for the day. And and he said, I never expected I would have empathy with a Drake Lynch. Wow. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's one of those stories. It's, it sticks with me And, and as a, as a surprising – uh, connection that that these young people can make and and this young person who is very socially isolated and really wants to have friends, this is someone who um has stated that they wish they had more friends and more social support, and what they got was social support and validation and empathy from the last of the Dracoliches Wow, it's pretty powerful
1: I'm gonna struggle to read the last question, so <laughs> you got to give me a minute to compose myself here. <laughs> Damn, that's that's damn good stuff, guys. That's very powerful, and that's, um, man, I'm proud to see like my my most favorite and cherished game from my childhood being used for for this. That's that's incredible. I'm sure there are people out there thinking you guys left and right. At least I hope so.
2: <laughs> we do get a, occasionally get an email out from out of the blue someone who has had some experience in Dungeons and dragons like that and who has who loves it and supports what we do and hasn't you know they'll never be uh, in our groups they're somewhere across the world and they'll say something like thank you for doing the work you're doing you're doing paylor's work
3: and it uh, is yes <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> <laughs> it it is always it is always heartwarming to hear from from those individuals that's uh, it it keeps us going for sure
1: yeah good so before we kind of wrap all this up here um wheelhouse workshop we're now going into game to grow what's what's something that we can expect from you guys uh in the future what what are we going to be expecting to see from game to grow
3: well definitely the next year is going to be kind of an exciting time uh for us and we hope an exciting time for people who are are following along with us so in addition to obviously expanding the the way we run groups and the, n- the number of groups that we run uh now that game to grow is launched where we will also be trying to produce a lot more content so um keep an eye on our on our um, news feed and our blog and and our youtube channel because we're going to be um, producing more content for for lots of smaller things stuff like um uh, people coming in, uh Teaching people how to talk in silly voices as a dungeon master and, and little tips and tricks that you can use and you can take away to your, your own game, as well as reviews for um, board and card games that you might be able to use with it with your own family or with your own gaming group um, and ways for you to k- kind of think about those games, how you might change your paradigm thinking about that game in a different way. So definitely keep an eye on, on uh, our blog and, and other news sources for a lot of that information because that's going to be coming out a lot within the next year.
2: Yeah, we don't we don't want you to game more we want you to game better yeah I love we that. want you to game to grow
3: <laughs> more to grow
1: that's I awesome like all right guys well uh, Adam and Adam thank you so much for coming on this has been an absolute treat for me this has been amazing and wonderfully insightful um, is there uh where where can we find both of you if both of you are on some sort of social media or Twitter or where can we find these yes uh, we are at
2: gametogrow.org and uh at, at @gametogrow twitter uh, we have a gametogrow facebook page um, all those things are are evolving and emerging out of the, uh, wheelhouse workshop. So, um, those are going to be in transition for a little while, but we are also launching a crowdfunding campaign. Um, so please check out our website and if you support the work that we do, we'd love to have your uh, financial support as the transition from wheelhouse workshop into game to grow has been a costly one.
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs>
2: I can
0: imagine. I can imagine. Well, we'll definitely have all the links in the, uh, the show notes. Awesome. For this. Yeah, we'll
1: have all the links attached for people to be able to find you guys. Um, so I guess that's it, Adam. And Adam, guys, thank you so much. You are doing Paylor's work. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks
3: a lot, guys. Thank you, thank you so much for having us on.
0: Yeah, definitely. We appreciate it and uh, looking forward to see what it, what comes in the future. For I want to play D&D now. I know, right? <laughs> I want to go play right like
1: now. Awesome. Well, thank you very much. All right, guys. Yeah, stay tuned. Thank you very much. We'll be right back. You're
0: listening to The Inner Gamer. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Be sure and check out their website at gametogrow.org. You can also go to their support page to donate to the cause or please share their social channels to help spread the word. They're doing amazing things, and we really want to help these guys out in any way that we can. Also, be sure and check us out next Tuesday for more from your favorite video game podcast. Visit theinnergamer.net for our latest episodes, blogs, videos, and social channels. If you like what you hear, please leave us a review on iTunes or tell a friend. Also if you enjoyed this interview and want to hear more of things like this, we would love to hear from you. Please email us at hellodinnergamer.net at and share your thoughts. What's been your favorite interview? What's been your least favorite interview? Also, who would you like to hear from? Or what kind of subject or topics would you like to hear about? We want to be doing more of these, and we want to make sure that we're giving something that you get something out of as well. So please let us know, share your feedback, and give give us some information to go with, and we'll uh, make sure we keep on doing this for you guys. My name is Brayton Oski, and you've been listening to The Inner Gamer.